I remember looking at the playbacks on the TV of this news reporter who lost it in front of everyone. I felt so bad for him and so embarrassed for him. And I could tell in his eyes, he just wasn't with it as he basically had an anxiety attack on national TV. This is Michelle Spivan. I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So guess what? I want you to join me on the flip as we talk today about distraction and other things that you have to get over to be able to do what you do. I'll see you on the flip. I remember watching the debacle of this a reporter whose name was Dan Harris on a morning show. Now, I didn't see it live, but I do remember it made the news and it was uh it was embarrassing. He was he, he was out of it. I, I just have to say it. Um uh, but little did I know I would go on to years later get a chance to read from his account what happened to him. And today I'm actually going to be talking a little bit about his book, 10% Happier by Dan Harris, as uh, part of um, the books that I want to recommend in our conversation. So let's go on and get into it. So today I'm talking about distraction, or as I like to call it, the distraction gauntlet. You know, to me, distractions face you every day that you're blessed to be able to get up and as the old folks like to say in my neck of the woods, be clothed in your right mind. Um, distraction is a daily obstacle course. And I think it's an obstacle course that tries to challenge your goal to be forward moving towards your your best self or towards your, your best plans. And the thing is, it's no matter how good we get at what we do, distraction puts on a new set of armor every single freaking day and shows up. And sometimes I even say, you know what, I'm going to be as diligent and consistent as my nemesis distraction. And so I want to, like I said before, I want to talk today about this gauntlet that we, we, we run, whether we want to or not. And a lot of people are just giving in. They're like, you know what? I, I, I'm not here for it. And I'll say there are times when I just lay down at the starting point and say, you know, today you can have it. I'm just going to wander through and uh, try to do what I can. But there is a, there is a reason why we can't allow distraction to win. And that is because when we're distracted, it inevitably leads us towards chaos. And there is a lot to be said for the pros of chaos, you know, with creative energy and all of that. But when you're trying to do something that requires you to have a focus and a pathway to get from point A to point B, it's just not it's not going to be good for you if you are trying to do this in the midst of chaos. Now, the... I think the reason why it is so important that I um, continue to face this obstacle obstacle course every day is because I personally have to encounter the drawbacks and the toll that has to be paid for the creative spark. You know, creating fiction, creating different worlds and characters and being able to suspend disbelief and use the art of storytelling require a lot. 
But also think about that person who goes into work and they sit down and each day they are in a customer service situation and they have to actively listen and engage and give feedback and service to people trying to resolve some type of problem. I look at that and I'm like, that would be even harder. I can only imagine what it what it's like to be a continuous problem solver as a customer service uh, representative, taking call after call and expediting when need be and fixing or refusing when need be for different people and to be distracted or have to use the energy to stay engaged and stay focused. I mean, it, it, it can really be bad. Think about that. Uh, when's the last time you called a customer service agent and they said, well, would you hold on for a survey? <laughs> and what it is, is it's kind of like an instant feedback to, to let them know and the powers that be that they work for, whether or not they were engaged and whether or not they were able to pay attention and be focused. So even though I say, oh, I have to, you know, be focused and I have to fight these distractions and all of that, I can think of so many more people who have a worse um, way to go than I do. So, you know, that's the thing um, that that really strikes me uh, as why is distraction there? Now, I talked, I briefly talked about a book um, on another podcast that I love, and it's called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And Stephen talks about, he, he does it in an autobiographical way where he uh, talks about his journey towards becoming a successful writer. And what he talks about is becoming a pro, a professional instead of just being um, a person who, who does an activity. And he talks about the life, the mind, and um, the way of the professional. Now, he actually has a book after that that goes into it a little bit more. But today, I just really want to focus on his book called The War of Art. And the reason why is because in there, he deals with a section called Resistance. And I, (laughs) growing up in the South and church and all of that kind of stuff, I, I remember people equating what resistance does as that devil. You know, the devil is after you, just trying to keep you from doing what you need to do. And um, it was a good personification for being able to encompass the evils of distraction and what it could lead to. And one of the things that I personally found was that when um, I gave in to distraction, it zapped my energy. I would think, oh, you know, well, I'm going to go on and instead of maintaining my rule of when I answer all of these dings and pings that come through while I'm trying to work, I'll just stop and I'll go on and check them out. And I would sit there and do that and it would take me longer than if I had done it in the time I had allotted and I would feel more drained because you just keep going down the the rabbit hole of another one. People, I don't know, you know, well, I do know. Um, And social media is trying to address it but you think that you're invisible and you're not, and people see that you're online, and then bleep, 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 all of these um, messages come flooding in, and and what you know, <laughs> now you are bogged down, engaging in stuff that 
it's not as high as high a priority as what you were what you were needing to do, but it was because you were distracted. There, I mean, I will say to this day, when I sit down in the mornings or whenever it is I'm going to sit down and start writing, I immediately feel like I need to go to the bathroom. I don't know necessarily because I would have just already gone, but I still want to hop back up and go. And it's because distraction is so powerful. And when Stephen Pressfield talks about resistance, he talks about it as an opposing force uh, that would fight you even to keep you from doing what you're supposed to do. Now, I've gone on to personify uh, rejection as a knight because I am learning that there are there are dual dual roles that most things have, and like um, I mentioned, another. Uh, podcast, that there are half truths and half lies to everything. And so with this whole thing of resistance, for me to not feel like it's a formidable foe that I would have to fight every day, what I did was uh, I personified it as a knight. And that's a knight with a K. K. And so uh, when you look at knights uh, as a symbol, knights are all about action, They're also either about guarding and advancing or fighting. And the thing is, is with knights, they carry shields and they have armor. And I learned something about knights is that the armor is for protection, but the shield is for advancement and taking the offensive. And so there's duality in this. And that is what resistance does. Resistance will fight you. Um, I remember when I was grappling with a book that I just did not want to write and the distractions were so plentiful. I mean, I was getting invites to go to cool stuff where I wouldn't have to pay, but I would love to go. And yes, I'm not going to lie and make it seem like I didn't. I did go to some of these things. But then when I would sit there and I was like, why are you doing this to me? I had to remember that the night of resistance is there to protect your highest abilities while fighting with your greatest failings. And when that sunk in, I was like, resistance is doing its job. I might not like it, but resistance is helping me to toughen up, to strengthen myself, and to streamline my ability to push past this so that my failings fall away and all that is left is, for that day at least, (laughs) is my determination, my focus, and my concentration to do what I need to do. And so when I talk about that that book, The War of Art, I'm, I'm actually talking about the key that helped me to claim and understand what it was and what it still is to this day that is an opposing force that fights against me. Because one thing I will say, if you continue to just press onward, resistance has a way of releasing its pressure on you when it sees that you're not going to give up. And that brings me to another book that I want to mention today. And that book is Peak, P-E-A-K. And it's Peak, Secrets from the New Science of Expertise by Dr. Anders, Anders Ericsson. And Dr. Erickson is um, the person that one of my other favorite um, non-authors, Malcolm Gladwell, talks uh, refers to when he talked about the... Um, 
famous 10,000 hours of practice. You see, Dr. Erickson works with peak performance, and he had come up with uh, a process of practice. And what he what what he basically said was, is if you are wanting to get become an expert, you have to practice. And he says that it's more than just having a grit and determination or even all of those hours or the, you know, 10,000, as people like to say. No, he said it had, there's, there's more. And so he talks about three levels of practice. Now, with these three levels of practice, he broke it down. And the thing is, is when you hear how he presents it, it makes total sense. And you already know this. So, on those days when I was goofing around and, and halfway getting through it, but doing the busy work of writing or researching or whatever it was I was supposed to be doing uh, for, for myself, for my books, for my clients or whatever, he would classify that as naive practice. And so naive practice is that practice where it doesn't have any purpose. It's not deliberate. And it's usually just blindly swinging and hoping that you get something done. Um, a lot of naive practice happens when people want to look busy and they want to tell themselves that they're learning, they're growing, they're improving. And so basically, it comes down to busy work because it's aimless. Just, you know, it doesn't really have a purpose. And so that's naive practice. And basically, it's a it's a waste of time. So then the second one. Now, this is the one where um, you're starting to take it, take it, you know, seriously. And purposeful practice is when you... Um, go beyond your comfort zone. It starts to get frustrating. I talked about an, another book previously, uh, The First 20 Hours, How to Learn Anything Fast by Josh Kaufman. And he would call this particular uh, point. Now, he has a, a, a system where he talks about breaking down uh, the, the stages of learning a new skill. And his first stage is frustration, where you don't know anything and everything sounds crappy. And then he moves into um, uh, practice uh, where it is the clumsy uh, type, uh, but you're starting to be able to learn a little bit. And then he moves into uh, uh, practice where you actually know what you're doing, and then you move into the masterfulness of the practice. And so um, Josh Kaufman was also influenced by Dr. Erickson's work. And so these are different ways of, of talking about the same thing. You know, so with Dr. Erickson's work in um, working with peak performance and then coming out with this book, Peak, The Secrets of the New Science of Expertise, he broke it down for us. So in this purposeful practice, you've got your You've got your person working beyond their comfort zone. This is when it's demanding and then and then they're pushing you to your near maximal effort. Think about a person uh, learning how to cross country jog or learning how to play um the the violin or a person uh, learning how to um code, this purposeful practice is going to require a component that distraction is set up to eat away at, and that is focus and concentration. So much so that when you're using purposeful practice, it requires your full attention and your conscious actions to be able to do what you're doing. You see, when you are in this purposeful um 
practice and you're giving your full attention and you're consciously aware and you're 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 working you have to maintain a certain amount of um uh progression for it to truly be practice and what ends up happening is is that that then leads you into the third stage which is deliberate practice and this is where Deliberate practice takes on the focus that you had from the purposeful practice and it incorporates something else. And that is information. And he called it informed. So what it is, is you do something and this deliberate practice is you've done something and then you've gotten feedback from either a teacher or peers or someone who has proven that they are either expert themselves or they know how to develop or hone or tweak your um, abilities to do whatever it is. Um, when I work with uh, people who are wanting to get into the self-publishing realm, um, with me having published over 50 books, I've done there, been that. I make my living off of this. And so they come and they'll, I'll have them do something. They have to go practice it and then we'll go over it. And then I give them feedback and then they tweak it. And I, um, you know, tell them, well, you know, use, use this sentence structure or put this into your plot or whatever it is. And so this is when you go back and you get into deliberate practice. But you know what? It's really hard to do adequate, deliberate practice without this external uh, feedback that you get. Think about a person who wants to learn uh, the martial arts, and so they practice and they practice. What happens if they practice a move and it's not correct and no one ever told them? Just because they were focused, just because they were consciously aware of what they were doing in their purposeful state does not make for peak performance. It makes for great practice, but not peak performance. And so that's how you can have people who practice all the time. Um, I, I, I always think of this story um, when I talk about this part, and that is um, I have a walking trail in the area where I live. And from time to time, there is this guy that comes out there and he plays the violin while we're walking. <laughs> and it, I I don't know why he thinks he needs to serenade us, but he's been doing this. I've been walking on this trail for about four years now. And Hannah God, he he does not get any better. It's, it's screeching. It's crazy. And I'm like, he plays for hours just on the trail. So you know he's playing more than that. And he never gets better. And so for me, that's he's my perfect example of being stuck in the purposeful practice because he has a passion for it. He is focused on it. And you cannot tell him that he is not doing the doggone thing. But he lacks that guidance from a person or, or from peers or from someone who can help him develop his abilities. So why does, why does any of this matter? Well, it matters because when you get up each day, and when you are either going to your job or building your business or accomplishing your project and distraction sets up the obstacle course, that gauntlet that you have to run, if you are not um, able to fight that night of resistance, be purposeful in 
your um, practice and also be able to concentrate and receive or have an avenue to get feedback, you're going to be stuck in no man's land and it's going to go nowhere. Have you ever felt like you were in a rut and that the wheels just keep spinning and spinning, but nothing gets better? A lot of times you're possibly under an assault of resistance and distraction and you're stuck in the obstacle course with no help in sight. One of the things that I I always try to remind myself is that distraction leads towards chaos and at all costs, I must protect my energy. And sometimes that means that I have to employ the action of letting go of um, the the fight to try to continue to do uh, things that way. And that means that I have to uh, do a reset And I don't know about you, but I love to be efficient and effective. And it is hard for me when I have gone down a path and it is just not working. And I'm like, you mean to tell me I need to go back and restart this? I mean, it just really does something to me. I'm like, dang it, I don't want to redo this. But nine times out of 10, when I do that and I go back and I remember that, Okay, it's not just that you're trying to uh, make it through today. You got to make it through today with purposeful actions, um, with deliberate actions, and you gotta you gotta produce something that truly propels you towards the highest expression of yourself. You know, so that what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to say that there are days and and weeks even where I have to uh, push through. But then there are times when I know that in some regards, I'm phoning it in, dialing it in. I'm not giving my best. I'm not focused. I'm not concentrated. And it's not, it's, it's a waste. It's a waste of my energy. It's a waste of time. And resistance is winning. Dis, dis, um, this distraction gauntlet has got me stuck in a maze of confusion and I'm not making any types of advancement. And so that's when I go back and I do that reset and I try to remember the the stages of learning a new skill, as Josh Kaufman puts it, that frustration stage and then that wonky practice stage. And then when you start perfecting your practice and trying to get back to the easiest route to get from frustration to perfected practice. And I'm going to tell you, one of the biggest ways I do this is by remembering that there is a simple now, don't 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 get me wrong. Simple does not necessarily equate to easy, but there is a simple way to do this, and that's why I, I talked about Dan Harris. He has this book called Ten uh, Percent Happier, and it's a book about meditation for fidgety folk, <laughs> for folk who can't sit still, for folk like me whose minds are racing, and we need to just get stuff done. Uh, we have a sense of purpose. We're always forward um, thrusting, moving and advancing um, in and upward. You know, we're always trying to get to the next level. And I remember having that connection with him when I saw him just totally break it and freak out. Now, this is a thing that nobody knew until he put the book out. We thought he was just having an anxiety attack. Dan Harris, in his own words in this book, and it's a powerful book, book, I encourage you to get it. He talks about how that anxiety attack 
was brought on by his self-medicating. You see, he was using the stimulant of cocaine to um, mask his anxiety issues. And that morning, it just came to a head and he just blanked out. He started sweating and stammering and staring into the camera. And so he, he had a total meltdown on national television in one of the most popular segments of the most popular show at the time. And it was not pretty. But in hindsight, he was able to turn that around and to find a way to help him to not be um, anxious all the time. I've said this before and I'll say it again. A lot of times for me, anxiety, as I've seen it, is a person who has uh, problems with issues with um, the future, whereas depression is a person who is stuck in the past and is uh, caught in the turmoil of things of the past. Um, But he did talk about having not only the anxiety and the depression. And to me, they go hand in hand like more twins on different sides of the coin. I um, heard this, this, I'm not going to call it wonderful, but it's a very insightful uh, way of understanding depression. And uh, so I wanted to make sure I put it out there today because somebody listening to me, this might help you. And this is another reason why I'm talking about what distraction does to us and how we got to be able to face it every day. So this has to deal with depression. And it says that in this particular understanding of it that I think is brilliant. Depression is the inability to conceive a future. It's the inability to conceive uh, or or construct a future. And there have been times when I have been distracted to frustration toward chaos, where I have been stuck on that obstacle course of not being able to find my way to focus. There have been times when I have had to battle with both depression and anxiety because I could not construct a way to get out of that maze to figure out and to do what it was that I was supposed to be doing for that day, that week. I mean, everybody, no one is exempt, but everybody at some time or another, or even every day, has other people depending on you to do what your job is that you need to do. And there's nothing worse than feeling decapitated or either hamstringed or however you want to say it, where you want to do it, but you can't. And a lot of times it is because we are in this distraction gauntlet where all of these things of the nights of resistance are throwing stuff at us. They are guarding against um, our greatest abilities as well as fighting against our greatest failings. They are uh, testing us. Do you really want this? Um, Are you really going to focus? And for the most part, uh, we have started to learn Recently, with um, now that we've got an, uh, all these years of having been in the internet age, that there is an erosion of our ability to focus and to concentrate. And so, like I said before, the antidote or a simple answer to this that I have found has been in the art of meditation. And what I like about this 10% Happier by Dan Harris, he doesn't try to teach you how to do any meditations. He simply says, and this is how I started with it. He said, just try to start with one minute of not thinking about anything. Now, that's if your mind is like mine and his on supercharge, always thinking of stuff. 
just try to start with one minute of giving your mind a break. I normally uh, try to get uh, 20 to 30 minutes if I can in, and uh, I don't try to suppress my thoughts. I just let them come in. I thank them, and then I let them move on, and it's kind of like they get organized, and then they don't need to come back around and loop, and so that's one of the great things that I like. Now, I do want to mention um, uh, another aspect of meditation. So with my meditation, I do it purposefully where I will do a guided meditation where I visualize, pretend, and see that I have focused and that I have concentrated and that I have accomplished what I need to. Now, I did a podcast uh, that talked about um inversion and how to not reverse engineer, but how to uh, attack those things that can go wrong. And so in my meditative time, I allow myself to see or visualize all the crap that can happen and go wrong. And I see myself by faith, fixing it, sidestepping it, um, muting it, or lessening the impact of it. And then because I've allowed my mind to see that in my mind's eye, when I actually get up and come into my office to sit down and start to write, create, or put together curriculums or trainings or presentations or research or whatever it is, I have a better uh, leash, leash on what I'm going to be doing because I've already taken out the sting of failure, the sting of all the distractions uh, that can happen. And don't get me wrong by uh, thinking that all distractions are external. Most of the time, you're a distraction. So I have these computer programs where I can turn stuff off on my computer. And I will let you know that that distraction gauntlet doesn't go anywhere. It'll be waiting for me with wayward thoughts. Um, Oh, I have to go to the bathroom. Maybe I'll get a snack and all this other stuff that happens. So when you are focused, when you know you have to get something done, what I want you to do is I want you to realize that this is a gauntlet that you must run. And you can do that by taking time to order your thoughts through meditation. Remember, resistance is real. And what you need to do is you need to focus, concentrate, and be deliberate in your actions. So guess what? This is Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. My time is up and I really want to thank you for yours. Don't forget to like, share, uh, comment, uh, rate, and review. And thank you. You guys out there are doing it. Please continue to use our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And I'm going to see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's 
link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.